Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, KFI's final keyword of the day is coming up in about 15 minutes on the John and Ken Show. And as we just told you, uh, John got recognition from one listener who said she one. likes that he reads the keyword twice. <laughs> one. What? One listener. You know. One and one. Lean one in, in and really want to win that money, so take them seriously. That's the one in a million. They, uh, the one in a million. All right. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Dippity Do in a moment in one of these uh, classic El Segundo oh Time God. stories about um, that story. How he has to lean in during his second term because of the, quote, narrative out there by the Republican networks and Republican politicians. The narrative. No, it's the truth. But we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, It struck me that I heard the term because I always pick it up on the new lingo. Rent burdened. Rent. Oh, I haven't I haven't heard that one. You enjoyed food insecure. Yes, I have not heard rent burdened. Rent burdened means that rent is taking up more than 30% of your income. Well, you are therefore considered rent. Bur- I think the old rule used to be 20, 25% you should be paying in rent or mortgage, something like that. What What do people do when there weren't all these victimization descriptions? Because the, that the g- employers are exploiting. I just, I just, can you imagine? Did you ever hear a, a term like that? If you couldn't afford the rent or mortgage, you had to move to a, uh, a cheaper place. Um, I, I don't understand. Everybody thinks they got a God-given right to a, a certain type of house or apartment that they can afford. No, you don't. It's not well, the way a market economy works. You got to go to a cheaper place then. The term rent burden would probably only come from a job action of academics. It's one of the bigger stories today in California. 48,000 unionized academic workers, UAW, across UC's 10 campuses have walked off the job. And one of them used the term rent burdened, which I guess has a real 
meaning. Uh, these are teaching assistants, postdoctoral scholars, graduate student researchers, tutors, and fellows. Oh, John, you and I enjoy when we see a fellow. <laughs> I want to um, be a fellow someday. They claim that they are underpaid vastly. Uh, we can provide a couple ex of examples to give you an idea. They are demanding significant pay increases, child care subsidies, enhanced health care for dependents, longer family leave, public transit passes, that's a good one, and lower tuition costs for the international scholars amongst their group. Um, their current average pay is $24,000 a year. So they, <laughs> well, yeah, and many of them got advanced degrees. I mean, postdoctoral scholars. Yeah. So they got a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate, and uh, they get to work for twenty four thousand a year. I we talked about this the other day. You can't go and get worthless degrees, and then and then stamp your feet and cry. I didn't think of these necessarily, though, as permanent jobs. I thought these were more transitional things that people take this work while they're pursuing maybe another degree. Well, well, yeah, while they're pursuing another degree. Eventually, they take on these tasks. So I thought, you know, this is like working at a fast food place. You move on from this. So mm -hmm. don't get worked up for a couple of years that you're only getting paid $30,000. Now, they think it should be fifty four grand base salary. And right now, a UC is not coming to the table on that number. UC believes its offers are generous, responsive to union priorities, and recognize the many See, valuable contributions of the, these employees. They've offered a salary increase of 7% the first year, 3% each subsequent year. But workers say that's not They close. want to go from 24 to 54. Which yeah, is, you're not going to get that with 7%. Which is more than 100%. 100%. Yeah, so they're, yeah, they're far apart. Well, the UC system, like a lot of universities, it, it's so ridiculous. They have so many nonsense administrators. I mean, oh, they do. I, I've, I've, I've heard they've, yeah, they've got like, um, there's a thing That's like That's just this. like a lot of school districts. They have like an administrator for every teacher. Uh, the, some ridiculous ratio like that. Yeah. And they don't do anything. Uh, all my kids went to colleges, even, even in their, in their high school, they said there were these administrators with offices and they had mystery jobs and they, they walked around the hallways and nobody knew what they did. And they had some weird title. Oh, and when the diversity obsession started, right? The diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that they, provided a whole new. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of offices filled with people who have nothing to do. Because what, what are you gonna what are you gonna do with a job like that or a degree like that? So here are some of their stories. We'll see what you think. Jamie Mondello is a 27 year old psychology graduate student worker. I should stop right there, right? Psychology graduate student worker at UCLA and a member of the union. She makes about thirty seven thousand a year as a fellow and is planning to add a teaching assistantship next quarter to help supplement her income. She was out on the picket line, 48,000 strong. We can fight all day long. Uh, Lavana Knott is a third-year graduate student in the geography department. Well, what do you do with a geography degree? And a student researcher makes $24,000 a year from her job. She has a second job that gives her $2,000 as a campus on-campus grader. For teaching assistants who don't speak English as their first language. Wait a second. An on-campus grader for teaching assistants. Who don't speak English as their first language. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, so he, she's kind of their interpreter? Wait, she's, a, she's a teaching assistant. Wait, she grades papers for teaching assistants who don't speak English? Yes. Well, who are These they are the international students. Yes. Well, 
So they must be involved in classes where they give out exams, but they don't speak English. So well, this is nonsense. She comes work. and helps them understand. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she called her income poverty level wages. Wait a second. She they, claims ninety-two percent of graduate students are rent burdened. They're so, so wait. A, the teaching assistants are so bad at English that they can't grade papers. Maybe they was, don't feel that they would be. They can't uh, read English. Yeah, they wanted someone to help them wow. to make sure that they you, get the students' answers right and don't misinterpret something. Do you or... see the absurdity of the system? Why are you hiring teaching assistants who can't read English? And then you do hire them, and you need to hire an extra person to grade the papers. Well, but... let's say they're really good tech people that might come from, I'll just pick a country, India. So they're very good at what they do, but well, they, the, the they, language themselves sometimes, and they're trying to understand no. the students' answers is not. Uh, you, you have to, you have to, you have to read English. That's a deal breaker. Uh, well, apparently not at UC. It, it's a, it's like a pilot. A pilot has to know how to fly an airplane. Not have an excuse as to why he didn't, he can't quite fly an airplane. You have to fly it, and if you're working as a teaching assistant, yeah, you got to grade the papers in English. So they want to get fifty four thousand a year, and as I mentioned, their average now is twenty four thousand. So that would be a uh, pretty big well, increase. One of the one of these people said she knows of parents parents who are struggling because the childcare subsidies that UC provides aren't enough to send their kids to childcare and UC campuses. Well, let's see. You, you spent a lot of money on college. Probably took out big loans. You got heavy payments. Um. And then you have children while you're working at these low-wage college jobs? You have kids. Mm. And then you complain that the child's subsidies aren't enough for you? Well, you're the one who had the kids. You were supposed to work at a job where you could subsidize your own child care. What is this? Who who are these people? Uh, Jesse Altieri, 27 years old. She's a student researcher, employed year-round, but only makes 35 grand. She works 40 hours a week doing cancer and biology research, but she does live in university-owned housing, so she doesn't have uh, the housing burden, but she still finds it difficult. It's subsidized, but not subsidized enough. We teach the majority of classes. We grade more papers than any faculty member. Yeah, this is the evil thing in college. The professors often don't teach very much. They don't. They slough off a lot of stuff, right? Right. So that's one of the perks of being a full professor. Right. I, I, nobody. What do the professors do all day? We know a lot of the administrators are. They're supposed to be writing that. papers and doing research and getting the the college academic recognition. No, I, I thought I thought they're supposed to be educating students. You see, the whole the whole system is off kilter. Yeah. The professors. The primary job ought to be you're educating kids. If you don't want to, you can go somewhere else. But because they won't educate the kids, they have to get teaching assistants. Then they get teaching assistants who can't read English. So the teaching assistant needs an assistant to grade the papers. Well, now you have three people instead of one because you won't ask anybody to do the basics of their job. Your job is to educate people. If you're a teaching assistant, your job is to be able to read in English. Well, of course there isn't enough money for all this. All right, when we come back, uh, the Times did another, I wouldn't exactly call it a tongue bath, but it's close. It's a slobber fest uh, about how Gavin Newsom feels pressure in his second term to show results for California. You see, 
out there in Fox News land and other conservative news outlets, California is used as the punching bag because of our homelessness, crime problems, all the things that we know are real. Gavin Newsom wants to change that viewpoint. He wants to do something about it. This is a weird story. As he's positioned, he thinks California as the prototype for the country to follow. (laughs) It's hard to believe, but that's apparently where he's at. Okay. We'll talk about it. You'll get the last keyword of the day. Johnny Ken KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, as you said, it was a uh, particular uh, lead story in the El Segundo Times. Well, you know, Gavin Newsom's reelection was easily won and quickly called. What kind of story can we write about Gavin Newsom's continuing as California governor? Well, the headline is Newsom feels pressure to show results for California the second term. Well, Which implies there were no results in the first term. Well, there, doesn't it? There weren't any. There weren't any, but people like to think of him what? as some sort of big leader who's the future of the party. It's hard to believe. You talk about an empty suit. We've been through this for too long, but this guy's like the epitome of the empty suit. Well, All he, show and style, no substance. And he, this awfully contradictory in this story. I'm trying to sort this out. He says he feels pressure to contradict the Fox narrative. The narrative, yeah. And calls the Republican Party, here's this for a little catchy uh, phrase, surround sound anger industry. Hmm. All right. However, later on in the story, he says... By the way, there's something important to point out there. Because what he likes to say with that term is that none of the things that they say is true. Or they take something very small, one little nugget, and they blow it up into the surround sound to make you angry. Right? All they're doing is exaggerating everything that goes on in California in order to work up their audience. <laughs> you know where I heard that before? I've heard people say that about you. And I said, tell me something that we're talking about that isn't true. Oh, no. John just says things to get people riled. And they're not true, the things he says? Well, I never get challenged on that. No, they're true. They're of course. True, but it makes people... But they're uh, like, well, then why is he so angry? Well, it, people should be more worked up. It, you should be angry. See, it makes people uncomfortable. It, makes it people, does. When you, when you confront people with something that's right, but it's something that they don't want to do the work to fix, then they tur- it's a game. They turn it around and pre- pre- bat it back to you. Why are you so angry? Oh, my anger is not the point. Why are you not fixing this problem? See, be careful of people who do that. Why are you so angry? No, no. Why did why why did you do this? Why didn't you fix this? Why shouldn't a person be? Hey, if I've got a homeless encampment in front of my kid's school, what am I supposed to be happy, delighted? I've asked politely for you to fix it, and for four years you haven't fixed it. Now, when I point that out, hey, for four years, you've let this homeless encampment grow really big. Oh, you're angry. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm a NIMBY, and I'm angry, and I've got 27 people in front of my kid's school who are homeless, who are defecating and urinating and child molesting and all the, all the other stuff, using drugs and injecting themselves. This is a, again, this is this game of where they play ping pong with you. They don't say, you're right, we're going to fix that and then fix it. It's like, well, you're just a NIMBY. Well, you're just angry. Well, you're just Fox News. Well, what? 
Are you, it's the most incoherent set of responses. And you know what it is? They're dodging the responsibility. They don't want to do it for whatever reason, whether it's their own weirdo political cult they belong to, or, uh, you know, maybe they're just lazy. Well, don't kid yourself. This crowd really believes Newsom and his minions that California is the prototype for the nation. Having been here and reported on what's happened to this state in the last 10 or 15 years, we can tell you, God, we hope not. So Newsom likes to say this, well, they're coming for California. It's not exaggerated. They do not succeed unless we fail. He loves to come up with sentences like that. They do not succeed unless we fail. Well, whatever they talk about is not like it's not true. No, you see. You are failing. That's changing the subject. It's changing the subject and analyzing what television pundits are saying. That's not the problem. The problem, again, is the homeless encampment in front of my kid's school. And he veers off to talk about Fox News. It's a Well, this, that's right. Saying. This is the famous gaslighting. Yes. Making people making people think that what they can see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears isn't happening by telling them things like that's just Fox News's portrayal of us. That's not really who well, we are or our and, values. And look at the they way they exaggerate everything over there. Look at the way this 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 story is written. Newsom shuffled to the right politically on homelessness by creating care court, right? Shuffled to the right. Yeah. And that's sending the homeless people with mental illness into a court-ordered treatment. Which hasn't happened yet, but yeah. What is this shuffling to the right? Isn't that the normal, obvious thing to do, regardless of your political beliefs? Is you have no. See you, now you hit upon it. Everything is politics. No, no, that's it, right. It's mentally. There are no. There are no longer any logical middle solutions it's, or, or things that just make sense to people. Common sense, people right. used to call it. it. No, no, no. If you want to do anything with the homeless it, that uh, that isn't about building more housing, then you're shuffling to the right. Yeah, right. You have a mentally ill person who walks without pants into a Long Beach diner. Now to say, wow. That guy's in a lot of trouble here mentally. Let's take him to a clinic. <gasps> You're shuffling to the right, aren't you? It's like, no, no, there's a guy in the diner who, we heard this story last hour, who walked up to a kid's birthday party and he's got no pants on. Oh, where'd you get that, Fox News? No, 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 see him there? Look, look, he's there. He's there. His junk is dangling right in front of those little kids. Kids are screaming. Oh, you're just a NIMBY. Now, listen to this quote. He says later in this story, people need to see results and they deserve it. I hear the critics loudly and they're not wrong about a lot of things. What? Hold on. On page one, he said that it's just exaggerated um, and, and, and this is just the right wing surround sound anger industry. Uh, we have to we have to contradict the narrative, and then he goes, "Well, I hear them loudly, and they're not wrong about a lot of things." Well, what are those lot of things that we're not wrong about? And why did it take you four years to come to that? Oh, I know, you're running for president, and sure somebody was. told you and got through that thick wooden skull. It's like, hey, Gavin, you run for president. There's going to be commercials 24 hours a day showing San Francisco and Los Angeles. Man, you were mayor there, now you're governor there. They're going to highlight all of the problems those cities have. Listen to this quote from this Dana Williamson, Newsom's incoming executive secretary. 
I think the second term is always kind of about implementing. Well, why wasn't there implementing in the first term? That was four years. <laughs> That's what I said. It made it sound like he's done nothing his first four years. Uh, he's, uh, he's the uh, incoming executive secretary. What, what the hell position is that? People need to see results and they deserve it. Um, Listen to the, do you see the next paragraph? Newsom says he doesn't believe people understand the way in which his administration has begun to address California's deeply rooted challenges of poverty, homelessness, and housing affordability. People don't understand. And the next paragraph is about all the money he spent on social programs. Well, it didn't work. You know what? Well, when that budget uh, deficit surplus disappears and it's going too soon, you're going to regret setting up all of these expensive programs that can't be paid for. And what will they do? They'll raise taxes again. We've already got the highest taxes. See the loop that we get stuck in with people like this? It's crazy. He admits he did nothing the first four years. In fact, they're looking for accomplishments. The only reason they're looking for accomplishments is he's running for president. If for some reason he was satisfied with the end of his political career in four years, he wouldn't be working on anything. Because he didn't work on anything the first four years except shutting down schools and shutting down businesses. That's all he did. And by the way, Mr. Shutdown, he's proud. It says here that California is soon going to become the world's fourth largest economy. Well, wait a minute. That's thanks to the tech people. It's not thanks to Sacramento. No. And the state is incredibly unbalanced. There's way too much poverty. There's no middle class and prices and taxes are way out of the reach of a lot of people. Well, so just because some billionaires are holding things up with the tech end well, doesn't mean you get to brag about the state's economy. He, he brags about them expanding funding for Medi-Cal. Well, the reason they're expanding and spending so much money is we have an enormous amount of poor people. There's no point in having the fourth largest economy if you have millions and millions of poor people. What, what, what are you bragging about? The wealth is all tied up in a very narrow sliver. And he knows this because he complains about all this. He also taxes them to the extreme. Yeah. All right, we got more coming up. It is the John and Ken Show, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Maybe I'm insane. Maybe I yes. just went insane. John and Ken. She giggles. <laughs> oh, sure. Laugh. Laugh as I... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just happened, yeah. Well, we're going to spend a few minutes now talking about one of the big uh, financial explosions of the last week, and that's what's happening to the company known as FTX. Oh, I love now, this story. If you're not familiar, FT, it's a cryptocurrency exchange. It, it's built by traders for everyone. They buy and sell your popular cryptocurrency products, whatever they are out there. So I guess they're kind of a middleman as a way to put it in the cryptocurrency world. Yeah. Yeah, you give them, you could give them uh, regular cash and say, I want to buy some Bitcoin or I want to buy some Ethereum or, you know, they'll, or, or you want to sell some. Right. And, you know, there's, there's hundreds of these cryptos. Well, they were founded in 2019, just a few years old. The CEO was a man by the name of Sam Bankman-Fried. And, um, well, uh, the problem with the company right now is that they've had a severe, severe meltdown uh, to the tune of billions. Uh, the latest figure I have is it's a $16 billion implosion. And now there are reports that $2 billion in customer funds are missing. Now, Bankman-Fried has been spotted 
over the weekend in the Bahamas. Well, that's where his company was located. Yeah. They, right. they, they set up the company in the Bahamas because uh, there are no laws there. And Now, he told Reuters he would be in the Caribbean. Uh, FTX is, is headquartered in the Caribbean. You're right. And but um, what's really, he's a weirdo, okay? It said he grew up on the Stanford campus because his parents were two Stanford professors. And they, he grew up next to some kind of, uh, next door was a vegan fraternity, uh, which used to have nude Halloween parties. Oh. That was in one report. And he's a math genius, but he supposedly has very poor social skills. And he bought a $30 million penthouse apartment in the Bahamas where he and 10 other coworkers all live together. And Is he they, using uh, crypto to buy things? or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's well. He's using he's using the money from the company, whatever he's paid himself or whatever he's invested in these various uh, crypt. He 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 was considered like the face of crypto. Okay, and yeah, he's this curly haired, goofy looking guy. But now they're saying that ten billion dollars of the money, well, from FTX was funneled into a company called Alameda Research, which is run by his girlfriend. Run, well, there you go. Caroline Ellison. And apparently he set up the account at at FTX with a secret back door that he could loot money from oh. and it not show up for anybody who is trying to analyze their financial system. Some are calling him the Madoff of this generation. Yeah, he might be. Listen to this, though. The 10 people that he lived with, they called it a polycule, like a molecule. Oh, yeah. A polycule. It is people who all are sleeping with each other sexually. A polyamorous relationship with multiple people. Because oh. I, 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 you know, I read another story which said, listed some of the people that he lived and worked with, and he said all these people have been involved with each other sexually. And I'm looking, and it's like, it's a couple of women, there's several guys there. It's like, well, what's going on? Second story I read is, yeah, it was like uh, a big um, swinging operation there. All the men and all the women were all sleeping with each other, whether they were male or female. So this is what he was doing in the Bahamas, and he secretly took a couple of billion dollars out, and he was sending money to his, his girlfriend's sister company. Well... There's a report that he was the second biggest donor to the Democratic Party last year, yeah. but according to one researcher... He's not about politics. He was trying to virtue signaling to hide what he was really up to. He, Political contributions to the Democratic Party and all of his philanthropy was about making himself look good and buying protection. He was part of a movement called effective altruism, which it's, it's a form of socialism where he wanted to get wealthy people to give away all their money for climate change, social justice, equity, oh. banning meat. All this stuff, except he was siphoning off the money and using it for his weird sex cult in the Bahamas. <laughs> it Did was he all that much money for a sex cult? It, or? it was all a front. He was a fake. He was getting all this social justice warrior approval from all these groups. It, he used that to raise money for his various business ventures. And then he had this weird affectation. You know, he'd walk around with the bushy hair, pair of shorts, a hoodie, and sneakers. And he'd show up at, as business conferences with guys in suits. 
Well, he's really in trouble because he sent out a series of tweets last week while these reports of bankruptcy were looming, uh, telling uh, his customers that everything's fine, your assets are safe. Then he later deleted <laughs> those tweets, but that'll get you in trouble. Uh, authorities have to show that he intended to mislead customers when he wrote those tweets. Intent can be hard to prove. However, this could be part of the pile of evidence against this guy, along with these reports that he's been funneling money to others, people, other people's he, ventures. He, he, it's rumored that he wanted to go to Dubai because uh, there's no extra, extradition laws there, back right. to America. So the Bahamian officials are keeping a watch on him and his polycule. You know, for, his, Forbes and Fortune magazine put him on the cover. Fortune magazine's headline was, the next Warren Buffett. Oh. But Buffett said that the whole cryptocurrency field draws in a lot of charlatans. Yeah, a lot of people think it's just a pyramid scheme. And he says it will come to a bad end. Now, he got Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen to do commercials, Larry David to do commercials. And he every- got a lot of sports celebrities, yes. Yeah. And and he was he was donating to all kinds of uh, really cool democratic social justice warrior causes. He had the whole woke crowd behind him. And he was he was a complete fraud. He was he was this this generation's Bernie Madoff is what he was. But people fall for it. Yeah, people fell for it. Well, it looked like it was the next new thing. I mean, they've been all over the yeah, place. But, they've been sponsoring some sports know, groups, but, some sports teams and but but I I've been I've talked to a number of people. There's a few people I'm acquainted with who got into crypto, and I would say, well, well, what what can we do with it? And they'd go into the I I've got a friend who worked in the crypto industry for a while, and I just kept you know, and I I would hit him with like three four questions, and you you'd kind of get lost in all this jargon, but he never explained like how does a normal person use crypto, like what what's its purpose? It just exists as something, right? And there's an arbitrary value on it that seems to rise and fall like crazy. But what is it? Why does it have any value? Just because you say so? Just because there's some other idiot willing to buy it? That's kind of it, yeah. Yeah. Did you see that Michael Lewis, uh, one of our favorite authors, embedded himself with the company? He's going to write a book. He's not an investor in FTX. But he's uh, been working for months, six months. He's been embedded with the, the former CEO, the Sam Bankman Freed, oh, to reportedly write a, write a book about the rise and fall. Yeah, well, that's going to be one of his classic books, I bet. Yeah. Because this guy is a complete phony, complete fraud. Steph Curry, Tom Brady, and Brady's ex-wife, Giselle Bunchen, yeah, have also been uh, linked to the company. I know they did commercials, but I don't know whether or not they have money invested no, or they, what. No, they've got, they've got some kind of uh, stake in the company. The stake. Brady and, and his uh, ex-wife, yeah. They, they they had a stake in the company. Oh. So everybody, everybody's... Yeah, you're right. Curry was made a global ambassador for FTX. Oh. The Golden State Warriors announced today that they are ceasing any affiliation with, with they, FTX. Um, they they uh, had the naming rights to the Miami Heat Arena. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and uh, I don't know if you noticed during the World Series, all the umpires were wearing FTX on their uniforms. No, I did not see that. They no. all had a they had a pouch on their on their chest. No. FTX. I remember looking at that, and it's like, what's the what's the FTX here? And that's that's what it was. 
All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. We're going to be giving away four packs of tickets to Disneyland. Magic is holidays at the Disneyland Resort, and KFI wants to send you to experience the festive joy you've been dreaming about. Magic is Sleeping Beauty's Winter Castle covered in festive lights. It's Disney Festival of Holidays, Disney's Viva Navidad Street Party. And both tickets and park reservations are required. This is going on now through January 8th. Visit Disneyland.com for important details. And the offerings are subject to capacity restrictions and change without notice. You could win right here on KFI and 640. All right. Uh, we told you earlier in the show that the witness on the stand in the Harvey Weinstein trial is none other, starting today, than Jennifer Newsom, Gavin Newsom's wife. The testimony didn't begin until early this afternoon, and she started off by breaking down in tears and talking about she had to identify Weinstein in the courtroom. And apparently she's gone into some vivid details about the alleged rape that Weinstein committed. We'll have more on this as we gather more information tomorrow and what we're really, I have to say it, waiting to see is the cross-examination from this Weinstein lawyer. His name is Mark Worksman. And in the opening statement, he made it pretty clear he was coming after uh, Jennifer Newsom by calling her a bimbo. Uh, well, her nice. celebrity is going to have a, a big impact on the jury. If he can discredit her, that could decide the case. If, yes, if there she, were four accusers, but she's the, the most well-known. Right. So people are going to be very sympathetic to her. Yes. And, and, and he knows again, this. They're going to claim that she sent an email when Gavin Newsom got involved in his scandal involving an affair he had, and she was asking Weinstein for advice on how to deal with the media crush. They're going to be like, he sexually attacked you, and you write to him asking for advice? I, You know, it's, it's funny. There's a whole bunch of writers who are trying to spin away that question, I notice, and, and nobody really can in a convincing way. You, you're, you're supposed to just accept that this happens. Well, that, that's what happens sometimes. And it's like I, I have know. read that that there is right. a, a strange sort of mental process that women go through that's difficult and oh. they can act in ways that don't seem rational from the trauma of the attack or something mm -hmm. like that, right? I know, but I it just I, I, doesn't it seem like if you were sexually attacked by somebody, you wouldn't be uh, asking them for advice on anything? It would seem that to us. I mean, yes. I, but I'm a guy, so what do I know? But you know, I think Worksman's hoping one or two jurors. I'm not, I'm, to them that, I'm not saying it invalidates sense. her story, but it's just not, it just doesn't make sense. You know, things need to make sense to a common person when you're, when you're running a trial and, and, uh, you know, constantly just trying to do a, a reverse spin, I think leaves most people staring. Yeah. Uh, this happened over the weekend, which is, uh, I don't know how many people remember in 2004, Steven Spielberg made a film called The Terminal, and it did star Tom Hanks about a guy who lived at the airport. Remember that story? Yeah, I do. That was inspired by a real person, and his name was Mahran Karimi Nasseri, and he has lived at Charles de Gaulle Airport just outside of Paris for 18 years. There really was a person that lived in an airport. Well, he died. He apparently had a heart attack in the airport's Terminal 2F 
around midday. They tried to save. There's a photo of him. Uh, it does look like an airport homeless encampment. He's got a uh, little cart in front of him. He's got his belongings behind the red couch he's sitting in, like one of those little lounge areas at the airport. Um, he he had lost some kind of uh, paperwork that yes that would allow him to emigrate. Now the real person behind the fictional story lived in the Paris airport's Terminal One from 1988 until 2006 because this guy's lived in this airport for 18 years. But that would be the Tom Hanks movies about 18 years ago. But yeah, you're right. Um, says here he became a celebrity of sorts, sleeping on a red plastic bench making friends with airport workers. He would shower in the staff facilities, read magazines. He told the Associated Press years ago, eventually I will leave the airport, but I'm still waiting for a passport or a transit visa. Um, that doesn't seem even likely or possible. Uh, he uh, was born in Iran. He left Iran to study in England in 1974. He was in prison when he returned home for protesting against the Shah. He was expelled without a passport. He applied for asylum, was granted it in Belgium, but the refugee certificate was stolen at a Paris train station. He was then arrested by French police and faced deportation, but lacked official documents. And he was sent to Charles de Gaulle in August 1988, and he stayed there. And because of European immigration laws, they got strict. And he, he, could, he had nowhere to go. And he couldn't go back to Iran, and he... I couldn't go anywhere else. I... Right. So he was stuck in this kind of... Uh... <laughs> and I guess he had no money because yeah, he, he needed some kind of a lawyer. Uh, all right. We've got uh, Tim Conway. Ding dong. Here. Let's roll. Let's go. Jay Leno got burned uh, over the weekend. That's bad news, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, fire in one of his cars. I guess so. Yeah. That's why uh, I don't have a hobby that deals with uh, combustible engines, right? Yeah, like at the track, you never get burned like that. That's right. Yeah, you could. I got to convince him to stop with the cars. Stop. Stop, stop with the cars. With the cars. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, uh, Amazon's uh, laying off a bunch, bunch of people. That's no good. And uh, one person was killed in a in a traffic accident. PCH and Canaan Dune. If you're familiar with that area, people come racing down Canaan Dune, and they can't make that left or right on PCH, and they smash right into that mountain. And man, it happens like every couple weeks. Somebody gets an accident there. Horrible. They they come they come racing. They come down to, down to uh, uh, Canaan Dune, and then you got to make the uh, left or right on PCH. And if you don't, you go right into a mountain. Man, they fly right through that a intersection. Mountain, or wouldn't they go or a little the hill? Ocean? Little hill. A little hill. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. And then All bang, right. uh, it's over. Um, and then we have uh, Jennifer Aniston's uh, uh, dad passed away. John Aniston. He was an actor from Days of Our Lives. He was eighty nine years old. Um, and then um, uh, Elon. Uh, I'm sorry. Black Panther sequel. Earned two, uh, the second biggest debut of 2022. All right. Have you seen it? Are you going to look at it? Huh? Have uh, you seen that? Maybe someday. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> what about you, Ken? You get out. Did you see it? No, I did not see it. It's just opened. I don't. Yes. I don't line up with mobs, so I oh, will you see don't? it eventually. All right. I do not. No. And the Rams are, our Rams are done, right? They are. Yeah, it's over. They are done. I will continue to attend because I'm <laughs> a season pay. ticket holder and a fan. You but, paid for the ticket, so uh, it is grim. Yes, it is very grim. It is, uh, and now Cooper Cup's hurt. It's just it's not going in the right direction. It but look, not. but but you would have. Uh, I mean, look, I would have sold out the future for a Super Bowl win any day. Yeah, you exactly got it. the point I've been yeah. making. Might, right. might be thirty years before the next. Fine, one, so you gotta, at least you gotta, they got one. 
Yeah. There was one dopey guy sitting there in his 49er jersey. Oh, man. <laughs> who got up near the end of the game and started taunting the Ram fans. And it's like, why are you here? <laughs> Your team is playing a game tonight hundreds of miles away. Get out of here. Right. Just to do that. We own you. And, and by the we way. We got the Super Bowl. You do not. I don't know if not, you read. Not current history. But. Right. But L.A. fans don't warm up to that kind of crap. You know, they, they, you're right. They, they don't. Will, they will fight you and kick the crap. Oh, they'll out kill of you, you in the will. parking lot. Oh yeah, yeah. They they'll will knock you out. Smash you over the head, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Big Conway dog. next. All right, let's go. Dig dog. dog. Michael Kurtz yeah. is the news. KFI. All right. KSD HD2. Angeles, Orange yeah. County, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.